Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. I'm your host, Sean Lee, and today we're joined by GQ Fu, co-founder of LTV Plus, a 100% remote customer experience outsourcing company. Thanks for having me, Sean. Super glad to be here. GQ happens to be one of the hosts on this show. So today is a very special day where we actually get to hear about his background and you know the problems and challenges that he's been solving. So first off, what is your background? Can you share it a little bit with us? I've been running LTV Plus together with my partners, David and Mark, for about two years now. We have another brand called Task Drive as well that's connected with us at LTV+. Plus. Prior to this, I did a bit of IT outsourcing company for about a year. This was run from Ukraine. Then before that, why I even got started in customer success or customer support was because I started out my first role in tech as a customer success manager. So that was how I found the love for customer service, did that for about two years or so. And then I went to starting my own business and realizing it's really hard <laughs> the first time. And then, you know, just kind of kickstarting that again and going into a different route for outsourcing that was a lot closer to my heart. And then I just found that it was a lot easier for me to do. So yeah, just, just really getting it done. And um, yeah, been going at it ever since. Can you give us just a quick brief on customer success and customer experience is really about like what it entails? Let's start with customer success, right? At the very core of it is really helping your customers be successful. Now, how that translates into each different type of business, uh, it really depends on you know the kind of services or products that you offer. But essentially, the goal here is that you are proactively making sure that your customers are successful. You're thinking, you're orchestrating from the beginning and all the way until they find success at different checkpoints of your business with the service or product that you're offering. And how do you define success for these businesses? So for example, let's say if you know we take LTV Plus as an example, right? We talk about customer success for a customer support outsourcing company. Now, success varies from client to client, but typically we know that we have succeeded when we do two things. One of two things or both things, right? The first thing is we're able to increase your sales through the influence of live chat, through the influence of pre-sales tickets, through the influence of uh, improving their site or their customer experience based on the information that we collect for them, based on the conversations that we get. The second point that we know that we have helped our customers uh, succeed in their business is when we're able to increase their customer satisfaction ratings. So we know that we have happier customers now as a result of working with LTV+. So increasing sales, increasing CSAT. Are these KPIs and these statistics kind of uh, built into your platform? Yeah. So every client that we work with, we always ask this question, like, what does success look like to you when you work with us? Because when businesses start with us, they come in at different points in their journey, right? Like for some people, they're just looking to get the best customer satisfaction rating possible because they want to make sure customers are happy. Sales to them is not a huge concern because it's more post-sales support. They want to make the best use of the traffic that they're getting on their site. And so they come to us for live chat and that's where we come in from, from a sales angle. Now, these, like what I mentioned, before sales, we set these as the uh, standard success metrics that we measure our performance by. So, you know, sales, sales conversion rates, customer satisfaction ratings. We also get to the first response times. And also, depending on the channel, it could also be, for example, um, running certain surveys after a certain period of time. Like we, we do things like customer effort score measuring to find out how difficult it was for them or how easy it was for them to work with our agents. 
So there are like some standard metrics that we work with, but then after that, you know, like any other types of KPIs or points of data they want to find out, then, you know, our clients will specify that. So what is the challenge or problem that we're looking to solve today? So a bit of context, LTV Plus, as mentioned, is a completely remote company, like 100%. So the problem that we're talking about today is how do you grow a business or how do you scale your business if you are completely remote? Like how do you go start a business from anywhere in the world, but at the same time, be able to scale to a company that's at least 100 or even 1,000 people? All right. I'm, I'm excited to learn about this. So the first step would be for you to identify the people that you actually need instead of just going out there and start recruiting anyone and everyone, right? Um, first, you want to understand who are the people that you need and you know where should these people be based in? Because today, when you open up the remote hiring section, or the, let's just say the Pandora's box, you're going to start recruiting from all over the world. You can pretty much hire anyone at any time zone and the languages that you need. So you know, when you think about remote hiring, you can think about, you know, the, the time zone coverage that you need. You also want to think about the skill sets that you're looking to tap into. So you have a huge talent pool to work with now. You can also factor in things like the budget, right? So, you know, what, how much do you actually have when you start off? You know, you're talking about maybe you're an early startup and you really cannot fork out that much. Of course, your founding team is very crucial in terms of the key people that you hire the first time, but it doesn't mean that you always have to hire someone right next to you straight away. Case in point, um, our core team members, myself, I'm, I'm in, like I mentioned, in Kiev, and my partner David, he is based in, in Turkey. Um, and we have another partner who's currently based in Portugal and another person in LA. But then some of our other team members at the leadership level, they're also based in the Philippines and Serbia and so on and so forth. So really, there is no set limit in the locations in this case. But just the profiles, understanding your budget and understanding who do you really need to fit those positions that you need. And what's your recommendation for how to go about figuring out who are the right people that you need in the right seats? I think the first thing is, you know, you have to understand, you know, what type of business you're running and who is that key essential person that you need the first time around. So for example, we can put this in LTV Plus's context and I think it's easier to understand. So when we're looking to start recruiting, start setting out processes in an outsourcing company, you know, you would want to think about probably an operations manager for a start, right? Because you want someone who can help you run recruitment, someone who can help you with HR, and host someone who can also help you with your processes. And so by having an ops manager as the first person that you work with, he or she is then able to help you grow that department and help you grow the business because that's a core part of your business. You would also want to consider, you know, when you have written down your vision, your mission, and core values, these are really important things that act as your compass when you're driving your business. So today, you know, I could hire like 100 different types of uh, or ops managers all over the world, but who actually buys into your company's vision and mission? Do they embody the core values that you're going for? Do they will they build and grow that culture that you have in that company? If they will not, then they're probably not a good fit with your business, maybe out somewhere else. But if they are, then these are people that you want to consider bringing into your business. You know, as a first time business owner who is hiring remotely, how do you get over that fear of trust? It gets easier with time now. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I guess like you just have to understand upfront what your recruitment process is like and understand that you, by putting in the time and making sure that you have interviewed enough people, that you have set certain, uh, let's just say, assessments or stages in place that, you, that help you filter the right candidates from the beginning, that will help eliminate a part of that, right? Because you understand, okay, cool, you know, these people will at least match the profile and be the people that you're looking for. Now, the actual fear itself, like if you're wondering, okay, 
if I hire this person today, will he disappear on me and stuff like that? You you would have to really build that trust together with that person. There is no there is no like right or wrong answer to this. I think like the easiest way is for you to set a kind of like a probationary period up front. Like say, hey, we're going to work together for the first two to three months. So assuming that your recruitment part of it, you've taken care of as best as you can. And this is a person that you know that you really want to work with. And then you just give yourself at least about, two, you know, not even maybe two or three months, maybe even one month to figure it out. Can he or she actually, you know, do the thing that we're actually looking to get done? And then from there, you build that relationship and go forward. Another thing that actually helps as well, you know, if you have found someone who has actually worked remotely before, especially I think this is more so more important when you're talking about it from the initial get go. Because when you, if you're working with someone who has no experience with remote work, chances are they may suddenly realize, oh, you know, remote work's not for me and they bail. And then that can, you know, as you say, this cause people to disappear. But if they have experience before, and I mean, the obvious ones to look out for is if someone has been with a company for a long time, those are things that will definitely help uh, ensure that the person you're hiring will stick around and will be with you for the long run. I guess something that, you know, as a business owner that have had employees, there's this idea in my head, right, that I'm paying an employee and they're supposed to be there for eight hours a day. What are your expectations for a remote worker? Well, <laughs> this is one that people may tend to forget, but ensuring that your remote staff have the hardware that, that they need to succeed. Because like sometimes you might end up with people who have hardware that does not work, like you know, computers that might be a little bit too old or the internet connection uh, where they're at is not really working. So you know, the technical part of it is so crucial. I think this is actually very crucial as well, that you set boundaries for you yourself as a business owner and also for the staff as well that you know that we do not contact them if there's no need to because you know people need their family time what's the tendency that people think that you know working remotely is like oh yeah hey you know it's it's all fun and games we're just going to like play and have like good work life integration but what tends to happen is that companies and staff might forget that they're actually at home and that they shouldn't always be working all the time and people might tend to work longer hours as a result. So I like to take the reverse on this on this question and say, hey, please set the expectations that your guys do not work longer than X number of hours that they're not supposed to be. So one way that we do it, especially with managers or people where they don't have to be stuck in a shift, for example, we just tell them, as long as you show up for your meetings, as long as you get your stuff done on time, that's it. You decide how you want to plan your time. It's, we, we, don't, we don't really set like a fixed thing. And we're also not going to contact you, you know, unless there's a real need to, like over the weekends or, or whichever. So that's a very important expectation that we set up front. Uh, but the other thing is, of course, if you're working in a shift-based type of role, like a customer support agent, then you, know, you still have to clock in for eight hours and then call it a day. That's very interesting. I'm very sorry, but I'm still struggling with this idea. And I'm pretty sure some business owners resonate on this with me, is that the idea of remote workers is so romantic, right? It's just so <laughs> amazing. But then once it comes to the reality of it, when you have an office setting with employees, it's almost like you just expect them to be there and fill up the time and do work. And I, I think sometimes business owners, even like myself, I'm guilty of it. You can get lazy and say like, well, at least they're there. And if they're there, they're going to do something productive, hopefully, versus not seeing this person, then you have to, you might have to go the extra step. And, and that's kind of what I'm trying to get at is I'm curious, what are some extra tools or methodologies that you guys utilize to make sure that, you know, for that monthly salary that you're paying a remote worker, that you are maximizing your utilization 
I guess like the productivity of uh, of of uh, like a remote like worker, right? Like like in the sense that if they're working with you and you're paying them for X number of hours per week or per month, uh, are they actually showing up and getting things done and, and going above and beyond? I think that going oh okay, going above and beyond Be- because yeah. if they're sitting there for eight hours a day and I only gave them four hours of work, they have to fill the other four hours, right? Yeah. If it's a remote yeah. worker, I only happen to think of one task. You know, I kind of wish that because I'm still paying them for their time, I, I, especially if it's a full-time remote worker, I would hope that they're thinking of something else to do. Do you ever run into that problem? I think one of the uh, ways to do that, so this is quite similar with uh, from the, con- the concept of customer success, but I think it's very true in a remote setup. I think for a business owner to overcome that fear and, and remember that or know that your you know your staff is actually not just working, working, like you said, showing up and staying there, but actually putting in you know meaningful time, if that makes sense. Um, the first thing is to make sure that you have like what I call like uh, fallback tasks, if you will, because like you have to over communicate excessively in a remote setup because like how you would do it in a, in a physical office setting you might just go to you know go to your colleague and like oh yeah hey did you do this i need help with that on your side as a company you can figure out okay what are some of the things that he or she could do if they run out of projects to do so it's, it's up to you to decide what your staff should be doing you have to really prep beforehand so that's the that's the part when you have to put the work into the other thing is when you hire people you need to understand what you're hiring them for Right. So, for example, if you're hiring someone who is at a manager level, supervisor level, or like you know a role that requires someone to be, to some degree, a thinker and a, and someone who is proactive, then you better hire someone who has those characteristics from the get go, so that they know that they should be looking for something you know more to help with that they can think out of like, okay, you know, hey, if I'm done with the task for today, could I be improving a certain process in the business? So you're hiring a specific profiles that can then contribute to the business without you having to give too much instructions. Rather, you set the goals and they figure out what needs to be done. But if you're talking at the entry level where people are just executing what needs to be done, then you need to really give the instructions. You really need to set the expectations. It's probably more so that the manager or supervisor did not have enough work. And so that it goes back to, you know, <laughs> goes back to the organization. And I think this is where like the laziness comes in. Right, that where business owners in physical spaces don't have to think about that because at least if I see someone just screwing around, that I'm like, all right, you know, like <laughs> I can give them more work versus remotely, you can't see that person screwing around. But I think you nailed it is that, you know, regardless of whether you have a physical space or have a remote team, as a successful business owner, these are the things that you are responsible for that you need to hold yourself accountable to. And I think that's that's a really important message. Definitely, and I think one of your questions that you put out there as well is like, uh, what kinds of tools can you you know you sort of use to measure your staff's productivity? So there are there are some of the market that allow you to you know time track people. I think that's like a really popular one, like to make sure that your staff's working, you know that that they're not you know surfing Facebook or whatever unless they need to for their jobs. And I mean, it depends on you as a company how flexible you are with that, right? But if not. Um, you can use things like Time Doctor, for example, or Hubstaff, and then just like just like to see, okay, are they truly working during the eight hours that they're logged in? But it's not even being the person who's standing over the shoulder and checking things out, but rather it's also helpful for you to figure out if this person is spending 16 hours on a task that would typically take eight hours, why is the person like you know having that issue? Why is he taking longer than usual? So then you can go identify that and figure out are there steps or processes in your business that are affecting the, the end goal? 
So it not only works to serve as a surveillance tool, if you will, or like a monitoring tool, but it's also for you to understand if there are flaws in the business that you can then correct. Is that something that you guys use yourselves? Yeah, 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 we do. We do pretty frequent reviews just to make sure that, you know, sometimes we have people who are like, yeah, you know, I can do this. I can do that. Great. You know, come on, give me more work. But then we're like, man, you're you're working way too much. Like, you know, you need to give that off to someone. We need to make sure you're delegating that. What's kind of like the obstacles that you're facing? What kind of bottlenecks are you getting that's causing you to have to work more as a result? We always like to get to the point where it's like everything is working so smoothly that they want to think about something more creative or something to do, to do something else. Yeah, that's amazing. The next part is how did you solve how to manage a remote team. I have to give a big shout out to David for doing this. We started LTV Plus with the EOS system or the entrepreneurial operating system. But we took that to the core of it and we, you know, use key elements out of that to make sure that we're we're doing this. Because like it's a very simple to understand system. And we have weekly level tends to do a, a check, right? Like, you know, when you talk about the EOS, some of the key things that come to mind are the weekly meetings. You also have rocks or some in some other cases, depending on the framework, they're like OKRs or you know, like the long-term goals, a 90-day plan kind of thing. At every step of the way, these are like the bigger goals that you have to work towards for the company's vision. And so when everyone at, at least at the supervisory or managerial level, they have that, they will work towards those for that for those three months. So you know you're set, right? You're just planning, you execute for that one quarter. The weekly meetings is a good way to check kind of like how everyone is, you know, like because you don't get to meet your 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 team members as often as you would in a physical space. So the level 10 meetings then allow you to chat with someone. And, and the kickoff, we, we really like this a lot. We've modified it. So in the OS, you would have like a five minutes of good news. So like, you know, you talk about personal or corporate stuff up to you. But we also have, uh, we modified it where uh, David suggested having a good news and gratitude, which I think is really awesome. So for good news, you talk about things like, oh, you know, I, I so like for myself, I've been talking about this the entire week. I, I made a banana cake. It's like, yeah, I never did it before <laughs> in my life. That's like awesome. And it, and it kind of lifts the mood up. <laughs> but then at the same time, um, then you have the gratitude part. So it just helps people remember, you know, what they're doing and what they're grateful for for that week. Other things that you need to make sure that makes it easier for you to manage your team is ensuring that you have the right communication tools. And like what I said before, it's not just about chat like Slack or Beatrix24 or like some chat tool. It goes further. And that means you, where possible, do things visually, where it's like if you're having a conversation, do it over video. If you're sending a, an announcement, don't just send it over email. Do a video. We do we do weekly updates in the company where you know Mark or myself we will record a video and tell people, hey, kind of what's going on in the departments right now. And then one thing that's really fun that we really uh, that we tried and it's and is working really well. It's uh, we started introducing like a question at the end of our weekly update. So like a lot of corporate stuff, you know, we talk about oh okay, you know, kind of like where the business is going, how is sales, how is customer success, who are we recruiting right now? Can you help us? Then we also give shout outs for appreciations because, you know, you don't get to see people frequently. And so by giving that form of recognition or, you know, recognizing, okay, hey, you know, um, uh, James did a great job uh, last week with this project. You know, I want a big shout out to that. It, it means a lot. It means a lot to people. And that if you can give that as much as you can, just give that, you know what I mean? Like appreciation. So people know that they're valued. And then the last thing that we did was, I guess, kind of getting more on a personal level where you're asking about things like, hey, like, so some, the, the, when I went to Kickstarter, this, my first question was, what was your childhood dream? You know, how would you, how often would you ask your colleague that? It might sound stupid in a, in a physical setup, but like when you do that, people are like, oh, wow, you know, like, like I never thought about it. And then you just start sharing that and you start to discover a lot of new things about your remote team members as a result. Absolutely. I think those are very good points and very good ideas. Have you guys run into situations where uh, you are unable to reach 
your remote worker. And how do you handle those situations? Do you guys have kind of like a emergency contact, you know, like like we had back in school? That that's pretty much it. Like what you just said. So we do actually get an emergency contact from the get go because, like, in the event that you know something happens, and it's not even from the case like, oh, we need to reach you because, like, you know, like it could be from a case of like um, reaching out to someone just to make sure that you're okay, really. So like if someone didn't show up, we, we, they didn't give us any notice or anything, we'd be like, oh no, what happened? And we just call their emergency contact to either clarify that or also inform them that, hey, you know, John didn't show up today. And then they would also, at least like a family member or a friend would know that and they could also do what they need to do from their side of the world. So I, th- I think that a lot of it really comes back to the over-communication part. Over-communicating, you know, I had actually initially thought you meant us as the leadership over communicating, but you actually also mean making sure that the person that you're hiring has that habit of over communicating. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, but of course, this also depends on the the role that you're hiring for, because not everyone will be like that. Like, for example, if you're hiring agents, not everyone's going to be very communicative. But uh, you just want to make sure that people are set up that way. Yeah, because <laughs> you you hope your agents are responding to customers and not contacting you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. So last question of the day is now that you've been doing this for years, you know, what is something that you wish you knew when you started? I think the hiring part of it, I think that would be the main thing here, that taking your time with it, hiring, and very most importantly, that I'm always remembering that people may not always because especially in a remote setting, people may not always understand kind of like the policies or the directions that the company is taking unless you over-communicate. So even from the leadership perspective, I, I wish I, w- I had done more of that in the beginning. Thank you so much, GQ, for being on the other seat of the podcast today. I think this has been a real pleasure for everyone, uh, including myself. And we hope to hear more from you in the future. Thank you. Well, th- thanks for, you know, like it feels nice to be on this side of the on this side of the table. Yeah, I've never tried it before, but I really love it. So I hope that was helpful. Yeah, very happy to share. Is your e-commerce growing so fast that you can't keep up with supporting your customers in real time? Serve them better in any time zone and language. They will thank you with higher conversion rates and repeat purchases. We build and manage your own dedicated customer experience team of live chat and support agents. Get started today. Visit ltvplus.com. That's ltvplus.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.